Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 19th, 2019, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our next two Starseed Quests to Arkansas are March 15th through the 18th for Spring Equinox Athena's Birthday and May 20th, I'm sorry, 17th through the 20th for Pleiadian Lineup. This is a soul group reunion and all star seeds with at least one star marking at galactic degree are welcome. There are only a few spots left for either event, so if you feel the call of the crystals, please write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info. Our special guest this evening is D.L. Jennings, author of the award-winning Gift of the Shaper. He's a new kind of novelist, having written his entire debut novel on a tablet while deployed in an African war zone. Jennings began Gift of the Shaper while deployed to the Horn of Africa and finished the novel in Afghanistan. He edited the novel while deployed to West Africa and negotiated the terms of his deal with an American publisher, Skyping them from his tiny phone screen from a toilet in Africa. Um, He says, I found writing in a dangerous war zone therapeutic and adds, writing could help people tackle post-traumatic stress syndrome. Gift of the Shaper chronicles the epic struggle between the existing forces of good and evil, with both sides vying for control of the key that unlocks the other world. The very powers of creation and destruction hang in the balance, and only a heroic effort by Thornton and Mira, backed up by the power of the Athrani, can possibly stop the Kith from unleashing ruin and the breaker upon their world. It's fascinating. You can visit his website, which is dl-jennings.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Fiona, and Jada for hosting the Switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment uh, for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those notifications. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it at least four months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first up this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her ever-popular Starseed News. Let me get the mic open. Okay. Hey, Anastasia. Hello, Ariel. Good evening, everyone. Great to be with you. Beautiful full moon outside this evening, and uh, it's 
great to be here. Well, we have some massive swarms of locusts that are bearing down on the Saudi Arabia and Egyptian deserts as they spread rapidly along, according to the United Nations. Breeding along the coasts of Etria and Sudan, the swarms are spreading farther afield, with at least one having crossed over the Red Sea into Saudi Arabia in mid-January, and more have been coming uh, since then. The swarms also went north along the Red Sea into Egypt. Now, in January, Al-Dabi's uh, Al-Dafra area was covered in a cloud of the flying insects, so the uh, locust swarms are on the move, spreading across the Middle East. Been some earthquake activity in Utah. There was a fourth earthquake happened in two days. A 2.4 magnitude aftershock struck Bluffdale, Utah, Saturday night. The fourth earthquake that to affect northern Utah in less than 48 hours. There was also a 3.3 magnitude quake about uh, late afternoon on Saturday. So uh, they had a 3.3, a 3.8, 2.4, 3.9, and such. We've also had quite a few earthquakes in the last few days. Uh, uh, what they call major earthquakes, a 6.4 in Papua New Guinea, a 3.7 around Yountsville, California, a 4.4 around Blue Lake, California, the Dominican Republic had a 5.3, a 6.6 east of Puerto Madero, Mexico, 5.6 in Santa Maria, Colombia. There was one up in Big Lake, Alaska, one of uh, 4.5. Prince Edward Islands region had a 6.7, 6.4 in Indonesia, and a 6.7 in Kokumbo, Chile. Wow. Well, yeah, a lot, and some pretty good-sized ones. Now, we think of when we think of uh, bad government not informing its citizens about bad water, uh, we think of Flint, Michigan, but now the trouble comes from Utah. Again, Utah in the news. Uh, Sandy, the suburb of Salt Lake City. Uh, Sandy, Utah City, delayed notifying the state and the public of their contaminated water problem. Contaminated water sickened a baby and several other people in a suburb of Salt Lake City where a no-drink order is in place pending lab results on levels of copper and lead. The Utah Division of Drinking Water urged city officials all last week to hasten sampling and completion of results that would indicate the extent of possible lead or copper contamination stemming from an inadvertent release of undiluted fluoride that happened just a week ago. That was the first mistake. An, uh, un, uh, fluoride, undiluted, released into the water supply, followed by contamination of lead and copper. Well, the city failed to notify the people adequately about this contamination, and uh, or they didn't notify them about the fluoride levels uh, they first notified people about the fluoride and then failed to notify them about the resultant contaminations. Um, first of all, the city officials said that the water was okay to drink. Well, then multiple people became ill, resulting uh, from the ingestion of the water, including other children that had consumed the water in their formula, infants. And uh, so when the city declared the water okay to drink, 
people started drinking the water again. Mind you, this was following the fluoride contamination. And then later people discovered from a news article that there was lead and copper in their water. Uh, The city didn't contact them. The residents were outraged, saying nobody told us about this, copper or lead. We had no idea. So now officials with the Utah Poison Control Center are saying that the drinking water uh, system is contaminated. They are fielding calls from residents who are having problems and sickness from this, and they are uh, uh, distributing bottled water to uh, members of that community. So I didn't think Flint, Michigan would happen again, but now somewhere else city officials fail to notify people. Here is a... Try to stay with me on this, guys. It's kind of a complicated article. Try to stay with me. This is wild. This has implications in metaphysical healing as well. What we practice is starseed. But in the meantime, let's talk about what 3D reality is thinking about doing with our DNA. Unbelievable that this is going on. Uh, There is a company that has created artificial intelligence text, AI text, a text generator that's now telling us that it's too dangerous to release this software. Now, I've told you before that it's becoming more and more difficult for me to assemble news articles. And I've mentioned uh, that's due to the reliability, the way they're written. Um, Many of these articles on the Internet now are written by bots, uh, far more than are written by humans. It's just a maze to go through it. A lot of times there's repetitive text. It's questionable. The content doesn't match the headlines and so on. A lot of these articles... Uh, on the internet today are written by artificial intelligence by bots now this they're talking now about something that is a step way above what we're typically getting on the internet and this uh, groundbreaking new artificial intelligence text generation software was built by a company that was backed by Elon Musk and now the creators of it are saying it's very (laughs) it's too dangerous to make public now, the name of this company is OpenAI. It's a nonprofit artificial intelligence research group. They have telling us now that their GPT-2 software is so good, so outstanding, so indistinguishable from human writing, they're afraid it would be misused. Now, what this software does is it generates coherent text, and it can be prompted to write on certain subjects or in a certain style, by feeding it paragraphs of source material. Now, the algorithm was trained on 8 million web pages, and the results are far better than any previous attempt at computer text generation, where odd syntax changes and rambling nonsense have been difficult for the developers to fix. Now, the success of the software has been dubbed Deep Fakes for Text, And among the core concerns are that it could be used to generate unstoppable quantities of fabricated news or impersonate people online. (laughs) Worries over how the product could be used mean that at this stage the company has only released a smaller version of the software. Well, they said they were 
unwilling to let it go, concerned about its impact. But, you know, on second thought, they're going to give us a a small version of it. They tell us that due to concerns about large language models being used to generate deceptive, biased, or abusive language at scale, we are only releasing a much smaller version. We're not releasing the data set, the training code, or the model weights, whatever that means. Well, OpenAI, this company, also suggested that government policies should be required to address some of these issues and thereby allow further development in this field. They say that governments should consider expanding or commencing initiatives to more systematically monitor the social impact and diffusion of AI technologies and to measure the progression in the capabilities of such systems. All right, well, there is a related article to this, and um, I'm going to share that with you. And this is the part uh, that includes about the metaphysical implications of science and what they're finding out. And this is an article about DNA and the hacking of it. Well, uh, scientists often tell us that our genome is like a language. For example, one recent science paper explains that genomes appear similar to natural language texts and protein domains can be treated as analogs of words. And for that reason, DNA can be used to encode messages. Now, if just encoding text, meaning words, One way is to convert each letter of the alphabet into a three-letter code using three bases, such as C, A, and T. Uh, DNA gives 27 combinations, enough for the English alphabet plus one space. Well, this is astonishing. Some of you might have heard about this. It's new to me. In 2017, one Harvard research group encoded a video an image of one of the earliest surviving motion pictures in a DNA sample of bacteria. And the picture yeah. is shown on the Internet, and it's, it's in pixels, just like your old uh, little pixelated game programs. It's a rider on a horse. The two photographs are side by side, the original image and the image constructed from the bacteria of the DNA. And they're virtually identical. They encoded bacteria DNA with a picture from a motion picture. And then they could break it down and uh, read it so that it shows a picture, like the original image. Well, the article goes on to say that in some ways our genetic structure is more powerful than words. They are part of a process that utters not just ideas, but living beings. And in 2017, researchers discovered that they could use DNA to encode malware to hack a computer program that reads genetic sequences. Now, there are computer programs that read genetic sequences. And a lot of these, if I'm, if I'm to understand this correctly, 
a lot of these genetic research companies, such as, oh, I don't know, Ancestry, uh, maybe uh, 23andMe, some of those other companies where people get their DNA researched for Ancestry and Health, I think that they may be using computer programs to read uh, the genetic sequences. Uh, Anyway, there are programs that do that. And in a new research, uh, these uh, group of researchers from the University of Washington have shown for the first time that it's possible to encode malicious software onto physical strands of DNA so that when a gene sequencer analyzes it, the resulting data becomes a program that corrupts gene sequencing software and takes control of the underlying computer. Well, we go from uh, the effects onto the human body or onto the uh, DNA of every living thing in the way that it can be encoded with a language to the explanation that this language can be used to corrupt computer programs. But I want to go back to what the article talked about earlier about uh, a DNA from a bacteria being encoded with a picture, a literal replication of an original image. And I want to mention this because this is the research that I find to have profound metaphysical implications, particularly as it relates to healing through visualization and other methods of redirecting consciousness along with all of our other alternative healing modalities. Language makes pictures. Language and projections of pictures influence DNA. So just a little bit more of scientific evidence, in my opinion, that what we as Starcy do is very effective and it works. You might want to look this up for yourself. Uh, Can DNA be hacked? Check that out on the Internet. It's a hard subject to read in the news, but I wanted to share it with you, and I hope that you were able to follow some of it. But it's really profound. Wow, where science is going is really something. Now, some good news from the environment. Nine iconic animals have been brought back from the brink, and the recovery of this of these various species proves that conservation works. This is really very hopeful. You know, last week I talked about the possible sixth extinction because of the insects and so on, and all of the talk about that, all the doom and gloom that's going on. Well, scientists with the Global Conservation Program put together a list of nine wildlife species that are recovering thanks to conservation action. Uh, Number one on the list is humpback whales. Humpback whales were hunted to the brink of extinction with less than 10% of their original population left before a hunting moratorium was introduced back in 1966. They were listed on the Endangered Species Act in 1973, and now in some places across the world they have recovered to as much as 70% and 90% 90% of their pre-whaling numbers. And that's wow, wonderful. that's great. That is great. And when I was younger, I remember the discussion about the disappearance of the humpback whales. And here we are years later, and they are coming back. And beautiful tigers in western Thailand. 
taken long-term work to reduce the poaching in Thailand. But they say this has paid off for the tigers because they've gone from 41 tigers in 2010 to 66 tigers today. Only 66. But that's a 60% increase. So, very hopeful. But down to 41 in 2010. Up to 66 today. And in in Burma, the Burmese star tortoises. Excuse me. I said that like Bugs Bunny would say it. Tortoises. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I have a little sinus problem tonight. I know I sound like a, a bear. I'm doing the best I can here. <laughs> anyway, um, the Burmese star tortoise was considered ecologically extinct in the mid-1990s because wildlife markets in southern China uh, killed them off. And uh, conservationists started a breeding program. They began with 175 tortoises, and today there are uh, 14,000 wild and captive animals, and of that, some 750 are now released into wild areas, from 175 to 14,000. Wow. And the greater adjutant storks, in in just only a decade, that population in Southeast Asia has grown from over just 30 to over 200 pairs. And that's now accounting for 50% of the global population. All over the world, there are only about 1,200 greater adjutants, storks. But they were down to 30 in uh, Southeast Asia. And uh, spray toads, Kihansi spray toads. They're really funny looking. Uh, They're really bright and beautiful. Anyway, this particular spray toad holds the distinction of being the first amphibian species to be successfully restored to the wild after being declared extinct in nature. After being declared extinct, these are Tanzanian natives found nowhere else on the planet and they were doomed by the built construction of a hydroelectric dam. And the toads were made extinct, and um, since then, uh, they have, and I, I don't know how many there has to be to be declared extinct, maybe one or two, I have no idea. But anyway, the story goes on to say that they uh, developed a new misting system around the dam. The toads require the mist. And with that in place, um, they have... Uh, managed to send 8,000 toads back to their homeland of Tanzania so they can live out in the wild with this misting system that was installed around the dam. Uh, the article said that they were bred at the Bronx Zoo. So apparently a few of them were recovered. Uh, they were bred um, in captivity. And so now there's a bunch of them, thousands of them, uh, brought back from extinction. There's the Malawayos in Sulawesi, those are birds, and uh, they have um, come from just a few to 15,000. And the macaws in Guatemala, uh, they were down to the population of 250, and uh, they're coming back. And jaguars, a lot of uh, people love jaguars, largest cat in the Americas. Uh, they were threatened because of the uh, killing of them. Uh, people thought that they were... Uh, uh, killed livestock, so they were killed off. And even though there are very few of them, they say that uh, the jaguar populations 
are steadily increasing slowly. And the American bison, of course, the buffalo, do you know that uh, there used to be tens of millions of buffalo in North America? Um, By the early 1900s, they were down to fewer than a 1,000 individuals after tens of millions reduced to less than a 1,000. And we now have a breeding program in place to establish a herd of pure bison with the goal of being able to provide animals back into the wild in the American West. So there have been a few few extinctions that have been prevented, and that's wonderful news, which, of course, should make us feel and wonder what we can do to protect the insects. It's never too late, so we can be mindful of what we do and how we handle and deal with the environment. All right, well, that's it for tonight's news. I appreciate Ariel. I'm going to have to say goodbye very quickly because I'm about ready to lose my voice. Oh, well, you did Thank a great you job, so much. Anastasia. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. You're welcome. Okay. You take care till next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that's that's great to hear that the conservation of, of almost extinct animals is working. So um, now, Lavendar, I'm going to get your mic open. And our special guest, D.L. Jennings, get your mic open. Okay. Welcome to the show. Right. We're happy that you're here. Hey. Lavender, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. So, D.L. Jennings, can I call you Dave? Absolutely. All my friends do. Okay, thank <laughs> you. So, um, I received your book, The Gift of the Shaper, and I'm into I'm up to page I guess about 65 about now, but really oh, it's right. a wonderful wonderful story. So let's start by talking about you and how this how this book came to be. So just jump in and and tell us anything you want to share with us about how you decided to write this novel. Oh, absolutely! It was a it was and continues to be a a passion project. Um, uh, so I was on a deployment. I'm a 14-year active duty veteran of the U.S. Air Force, and uh, I was on, I think, maybe deployment number six or seven or something like that out of the 11 that I did in total. And I was in, I was do, deployed to a very remote area in East Africa where you could probably imagine the internet connection wasn't all that great. So there wasn't a whole lot of uh, things to do in terms of, uh, you know, keeping yourself entertained. Um, So one of the things that I did to start passing the time was uh, I brought an iPad with me, you know, basically like I was playing Candy Crush on it, you know, stupid games to (laughs) kind of keep myself occupied. But uh, after a while, I started thinking to myself, maybe there's a better way that I could use my time. And uh, I grew up reading, you know, Lord of the Rings, of course, your J.R.R. Tolkien, your C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought, hey, why not start writing a fantasy uh, story? So that was uh, that was the story that eventually became Gift of the Shaper. So tell us a little bit about this story and, and about the characters. Absolutely. So uh, it's essentially a David and David and Goliath story. Only Goliath is a god. 
So it's, it finds a young blacksmith's apprentice. His name is Thornton Woods, and he finds himself trapped in this war between two sides. And um, I'm actually uh, kind of surprised when uh, my intro was being read that all the names were pronounced correctly because I got some weird names. But uh, so there's, there's two sides, and um, there's uh, the Athrani and the Kith. The Athrani worship a goddess called the Shaper of Ages, and the Kith worship a god called the Breaker of the Dawn. These are two of the three gods of creation in my world. And, uh, you know, as all siblings do, the, the, the gods tended to conflict with each other. And for one reason or another, the Breaker was imprisoned, which uh, you'll find out, uh, you know, eventually, when, once you get past uh, page 60 there, but uh, the, the Breaker of the Dawn was imprisoned, and his followers, the Kith, are trying to break him out of that prison. So Thornton Woods finds himself kind of in the middle of this conflict, and he also sees that he has a key that could possibly be the Breaker's release, and he wants to keep that out of the hands of the Kith and uh, keep, it, keep the Breaker of the Dawn in, a, in his prison. You know, I notice in reading this, the way that you describe things the way you 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 build you build up to a, a crescendo of, of thought on each page and i really appreciate the way that see you, you you're telling a story with pictures the pictures come hmm. to your mind right away is what i'm saying oh well that's amazing to hear thank you and i think it has a lot to do with my the way that i uh tell stories uh, I'm a I'm a very visual person, and when I'm when I'm writing a scene, I'm actually picturing it in my head. I like to I like to see the characters as they go through their actions, and I like to watch how they'd react to certain situations. And in fact, a lot of my characters are based on people that I know. So that and I find that the the characters that people have said have the the greatest depth to them are the ones that I've based off of real people. Um, Thornton's father, Olson Wood, excuse me, Olson Woods, is uh, he's got aspects of my father in him. So you know, he, you see him as the father figure. I can kind of hear my my own dad talking to me when Olson is speaking, um, and and that I think really lends itself to the sort of visual uh, storytelling that happens in Gift of the Shaper. Yeah, great. So are you still in the Air Force or are you retired? Are you out now? Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, uh, as of November 20th of last year, I am officially a veteran. I separated after 14 years of service. So what made you decide to leave when you did? Well, it was a whole lot of things, but uh, primarily – uh, one of the things that weighed on me the most was I would have to wait another six years if I wanted to renew my contract. And uh, frankly, that was too long to wait uh, if, if I wanted to pursue this writing thing, which I very much do. Uh, so I, I, I thought in the long run that was going to be the best option for me. Yeah. I, I, I think that this book, I've only read a few pages of it, but this really could be a movie. I guess have you have you shopped it around to, for people to to write a screenplay? You know, I keep hearing that. I really do, which which is very encouraging to me. Uh, I watch a lot of Netflix when I'm not busy writing, and I, I feel like it could be a really great 
show as well. Um, and you know, I, I feel really lucky to to be a writer in uh, in a, in a time like this, really, especially a fantasy writer, because I'm seeing stories like Game of Thrones come to life. I'm seeing the Lord of the Rings. I'm even seeing one of my favorite series, The Wheel of Time. Um, they're talking about making that into a series. So uh, it's very much something that's been in the back of my mind. Um, and, you know, who knows, eventually I'd like to shop it around and see if anybody uh, would be interested in picking it up. But part of me wants to finish the series first before I do that. So who knows? So how many more um, books uh about the same characters? Is that what you're talking about? As a matter, yes, definitely. And as a matter of fact, like I like I'd mentioned, you know, this writing thing uh, is very much a passion for me. And I actually finished uh, the first draft of the second book in the series uh, a little while ago. So it's very much something that I plan to pursue. I'm not going to leave my readers hanging like a you know like George R. R. Martin did with uh, the the sixth book in his series or whatever. I very much plan to continue and, and, and keep using these characters and this world and developing the mythology behind it. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about you as a person in a spiritual vein? You know, a lot of people that listen to our show, our, our audience is um, really geared to high strangeness, uh, ETs, angel <laughs> um, beings, angels, that kind of thing. Is there any experience or anything that you can share with us that you've had? Because I know that anyone listening to this show will totally understand. <laughs> well, I definitely, I grew up uh, the son of uh, a Southern Baptist and a Catholic uh, woman. So I grew up in a, in a Christian household. And uh, for basically my entire life, I've always thought that there's something supernatural out there. Uh, I am convinced that... Uh, there's a greater power, you know, there's, uh, there's too many things that have happened in my own life that, um, that I can't just chalk up to coincidence. I absolutely think that there's some sort of a, uh, you know, maybe some sort of a divine plan, some sort of a supernatural intervention going on there. Uh, I don't have the answers, but I, I'm absolutely convinced that, uh, you know, we're more than just, uh, the mortal beings that we all appear to be. Yes. That, in our starseed community, a lot of people are writing books and coming up with all kinds of uh, formulas and situations that shows that there was a group of, of souls that decided to come to the planet, planet and its people. And that, that, of course, is what we're all about. And it sounds like that you're one of these players yourself, and you've chosen to write in a fantasy vein, where a lot of us, we're having to write in a fantasy vein, although it's really true and happening to us. Well, I think fantasy, the, the, the wonderful thing about it is that um, there's really no limit to the, the thing, that, the, the rules, or to your imagination. Um, and I love that kind of creativity that's, uh, that's behind it, that fuels these stories, because across genres, you're going to find uh, basically the story of the hero um, and, and sort of that, that uh, mythical journey that... Uh, you know, the journey, like you put it, that moving from one place to the other, that, that thing is universal, and uh, it's almost ridiculous to, to uh, assume that something out there exists that uh, or d does not exist like that, you know. Uh, we like to base things on, real on, on reality. Even, our, even some of our most creative stories are based in reality. Some of the um, adventures that you've had 
while being over in either Africa or Afghanistan, did you find any any shamans or people, the local people that had spiritual leaders or spiritual development that was, of course, different from ours? Did you find any of those people? Unfortunately, I didn't really have the opportunity to uh, to mingle with the local populace. Uh, we were pretty locked down, uh, especially in the um, the the small base that I was talking about in East Africa. Um, a lot of the people that we were seeing there even uh, were basically just the guards. We had little to no interaction with them, uh, basically going to and from our flight line uh, for the plane that I was flying on. So uh, I, I can't answer that question because I, I didn't have enough contact with them. Okay. I was just curious. I, I, I thought maybe you would have a chance to meet some of the local uh, color there. Okay. Um, well, tell us more about uh, this story and 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 how that um, it brings up for you your um, your creativity. Absolutely. So you know, like I said, it's it was one thing that I uh, I spent a lot of time working on. It took me about two years to write the story, and uh, I'm what's called a discovery writer. So I I follow Stephen King in that sort of. Uh, that tradition and uh, discovery writing is sort of the opposite of your organized person, uh, which I am very much not. You know, you get you you get somebody who's an organized person who's going to sit down and they're going to outline everything and have every piece of dialogue already mapped out, you know, and and have basically a finished story before they even start writing. Uh, for me, I am completely the opposite. I'm a mess, so I'm going to sit down and, and I literally made the story up as I went along. Uh, I had no idea what the characters were in Gift of the Shaper when I started writing it. I didn't know who the gods were. I didn't know, uh, you know, even even the basic story that I was I was going to tell. Uh, I basically sat in and I watched these characters as they sort of uh, went through their daily routines, and I, I basically just wrote down what I was seeing, and through that. I started to get these, uh, you know, these insights into their lives. And, and then, you know, a voice in the back of my head would say, well, what if we put this event in here? Or maybe, th maybe this person says this or does that. And uh, that was, you know, the, the creativity behind that, my, the ability to basically play God to these characters is, uh, is extremely appealing and very, very fun uh, to just kind of say, well, maybe this plot twist should go in here. So that was definitely, uh, it was a long process, but it was one that I very much enjoyed. I'm curious to know how you came up with the cat figures. At the very beginning, you, <laughs> you introduced them. Can you describe what they look like to, to our audience and who they are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the Kinari, uh, they, they come from the forest of Kinar, and they're tall. They're about eight, eight nine feet tall. Uh, and they're essentially like, uh, you, you described it well, they're cat people. Um, so you, you, you get uh, picture very thin, uh, you know, live hunters. Uh, these are people of the forest. Um, and they have, uh, you know, they speak in rough tones. They have their own language. But uh, I, will, I will ruin it for some of you and say I actually got the idea from uh, James Cameron's Avatar, um, basically, the uh, the people, the Navi from the uh, planet of Pandora. Uh, I'm also a huge sci-fi nerd, so um, that was actually where I got the idea from. I was like, you know, 
I didn't want to go with the traditional elves and orcs like uh, like Tolkien had perfected. I thought that was a trope that was too overdone. So I wanted to go with something different. I, I, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to need some companion characters for Thornton and for Mira. Um, who can I have that will uh, that will represent the uh, you know those companion characters pretty well? So uh, the Kinari were basically the the perfect complement to that. You know, uh, through all of our investigation in these last 30 years that I've been doing this work, I have found a lot of those characters that you just described as cats, other other planets and other people and other ETs talk about the the cat people that are hmm. just with their DNA with humans. Well, you know I, I think that people have a certain fascination with cats. I mean, they basically run the Internet so <laughs> it's not surprising to me at all. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So are you married? Do you have family? And, and do you, no, have, I, you have support oh, from your family? I definitely have uh, an incredible amount of support from my, uh, my mom and my dad. They, they believe in me so much, and they're, they're behind me 100%, which is so incredible um, because I'm still – uh, I, I like to joke that uh, I, 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 I uh, work to support my writing habit because uh, writing is still a hobby of mine. I, I can't, uh, I'm not a full-time writer yet. That's obviously the goal, but uh, this is very much a passion project for me. It's something that I'm doing because I love doing it. And um, my parents have been a constant voice of reassurance to me in saying, you know, uh, you're actually good at this writing thing. You need to keep this up. And I don't think that if it were without their input and their constant reassurance to me, I probably wouldn't be able to, to keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, I owe a lot to both of them, especially my mom, who, uh, excuse me, who was reading uh, The Chronicles of Narnia to me when I was a kid. That was one of the first stories I ever remember hearing. I ever rem remember reading and uh it's why I, I i actually thank her in the acknowledgement of the book because i don't think it would have come about if it wasn't for her oh that's great you know th there are um there are foundations now that are that are uh giving grants to writers and i don't really? know if you've investigated <laughs> that um um philanthropic foundation in atlanta that has a list of all the foundations that give money for all kinds of things but as you were talking, I'm, I'm writing thought, that you know, down right needs, now. Someone needs to give you a, about a hundred thousand dollar grant so you can finish writing these series. <laughs> I could not agree with I could not agree with you more. Grant for writing, awesome. I, I love when I am actually getting life advice in the middle of an interview. This is great. <laughs> it, it just occurred to me that that I, I used to write grants for a living back when I was in the forest <laughs> of Georgia, and um, it, it's like. Yeah, there's a lot of money out there with foundations that that give money for things like your project, and I was really surprised uh, to see how much is is delivered to to the people from the foundations. Yeah, so look uh, into amazing. that. That's amazing. I I tell you what, there is, you know, again coming back to my point that uh, some things are bigger than coincidence. You know, uh, this seems like a right place, right time kind of thing. That's a, that's incredible. Thank you for that. <laughs> And maybe someone that's listening will, you know, order your book, and maybe they're a screenwriter or maybe there's someone in Hollywood. You know, we have just 
lots of people that listen to us all over the world. So there's no telling what kind of advice or connection that you can make even after this show. Yeah. Well, I am absolutely open to any and all advice, so that would definitely be incredible. <laughs> so what, what, year, what, what year and month were you born? Uh, September 1981. 1981. So are you a Virgo? I am a Virgo. Yeah. Virgos, they are really precise writers, okay? <laughs> they cross their teeth, they dot their eyes, and they don't let anything to chance. <laughs> you're, oh, you're, yeah. You're, you're doing the, the things that you need to be doing. I, I would like to, at this time to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle. She has the switchboard, and there may be some people that might want to call in and talk to you at this time, if you'd be willing to talk to some of our audience. I would love to. Okay. And when you come out with your second book, you'd be sure and let us know so that we can have you back on to our show. And we, we applaud you for your 14 years of service but we also applaud you for stepping into your power and becoming a writer. So good luck to you, Dave. Thank so you so much you, for Ariel. your support. Okay. Wow. I am, I'm really looking forward to uh, reading your book. I don't have a copy of it yet, but uh, when Lavendar <laughs> finishes hers, she'll probably give it to me. <laughs> I so, hope um, so. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So. Yeah. I you know I'm I'm had this picture when I was you know reading through your your bio and and looking at your website of you know having war going on around you and how did this I mean this this was how you kept your sanity isn't it It definitely is I really feel like that was a huge part of uh you know coping essentially um, and I do, I have a bunch of friends who, uh, so, and a little more background on my specific career field. Um, when I worked for the Air Force Special Operations Command, um, we were one of the most deployed career fields in the entire Air Force. And we worked on what was called a one-to-one -one dwell, which meant if you were gone for three months deployed, You'd come home and you'd get to spend three months at home, and then you'd go back out for another three months. Uh, and that was for our entire careers. So you can probably imagine the strain that had on some people. Um, for me, I was single, so it, I don't think I felt the strain quite as much as people who had families, but uh, absolutely, it, it broke so many of my friends. It really did. Um, I saw, I, I know more than a few who've been, who have gotten. Uh, you know, 100% disability ratings based on the uh, the mental stress that they've taken and the uh, the PTSD that they've experienced. And I know at least one person who has also uh, leaned on creativity uh, as a form of release, and she actually has started doing painting, and it specifically has helped her with uh, with her P PTSD. Wow, well that's that's great, and it's. Uh, it, it's something that other people can uh, benefit and appreciate. Um, so it's it's really a win-win, isn't it? I think so, and that's uh, that's one of the reasons that I try to encourage people as much as possible to, uh, if there's any sort of creativity inside them, if they feel that spark at all, to absolutely go forth with it. Uh, I have I've been approached by a number of friends who are asking me like, oh hey, do you, you know? Do you think I should? Uh, do you think I have a chance at being a writer? 
And I tell them unequivocally, yes, 100% do it. Because, I, I mean, I am probably the furthest thing from, from what anyone would guess would be a writer. You know, uh, uh, special operations background, you know, or specifically a fantasy writer, especially, you know, uh, 14 years in the military serving in all these, you know, war-torn countries. And here I am writing about, you know, made-up creatures and gods. And it's like... It really, it really gobsmacks people when they ask me what my book is about, and I have to tell them it's fantasy. You know, a lot of them are expecting, you know, maybe some sort of military strategy book or something like that, and I'm like, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm zigging when you thought I was going to zag. So, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you took, you took a situation that could have been very, you know, damaging and, and dangerous for you, and you turned it into something, you know, beneficial uplifting and 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 kind of cathartic for you and i just (laughs) i love as i as i read the um uh, you know the little synopsis of the book uh, i could just i could see like lavender said i could see the pictures and uh um, i mean can imagine you know thornton and and mira making their way and 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 meeting up with the with the with the cat-like humanoids and that really really takes it into a um, because there there really are um, humanoids that are that have cat like features. I mean, and they have they they come from you know a different star system, but um, they're I mean, in in our community they're called the felines, but they're oh know, very. <laughs> I can definitely yeah, see why this resonates. Well, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there are amazing. I mean, and after after you kind of get a sense of of these you know um, I want to say this ancestry if you want to call it that I mean there are people that just kind of look you know they just there's something about them when I look at them it's like well that's you know they're kind of cat like and I think well they must be a Leo because hmm. that often you know can <laughs> coincide but um, sure. yeah they're very they are very uh, benevolent and um, um, supportive uh, race. So as all the all the science fiction and the and the fantasy stories, did you ever um get into Star Trek? Yeah, you know, my dad loved Star Trek. Um and I so I used to watch it. I used to watch him watching Star Trek when I was a kid, for sure. Um, but I, I, I have to admit, I was I was more of a Star Wars kid when I grew up, and I still am, as a matter of fact. So. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. A Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, those are those just you know anything that's dealing with um, a better future, you know, and and yeah. good triumphing, um, and that's as you said, that's a theme that's all throughout literature. You know, it's it, it's the oh, absolutely. You know, the light against the dark, and and you know, of course, the light must win. Even yes, if it's, that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm pushing like for. It, yeah, even if it seems like it didn't, the you know, it's not over yet. <laughs> so yeah, that is I mean, what's called as the dark night of the soul, and that is actually it is literally a uh, one of the tropes for writing a screenplay. Uh, I, I mean, it's I couldn't have I uh, couldn't have, you know, it, you couldn't have planned it better. But it's it's uh, you know, there's always there's a, a screenwriting book. It's called Save the Cat, 
and that's what it that's what it takes it from. It's it's it basically boils every successful movie. It boils it down to these five, uh, you know, basically tenets, and that's one of them is. Uh, what they refer to as the dark night of the soul, when you think all is lost. Oh my gosh, the odds are overwhelming, and nothing is uh, going right, the, the world is in chaos, this is the end. And then what do you have? You have the, the light coming in to triumph, uh, you know, despite overwhelming odds, and then wouldn't you know it, light does triumph at the end. And, and you know, it's, it's always really amazing, especially as a, as a writer now myself, I pay attention to stuff like that. Um, when you go through movies, uh, books, anything like that, you're looking for that climax, and you can almost always tell Oh, here we are. We're at the dark night of the soul now, where uh, everything is starting to get really bleak. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say it so much as ruins the story for me, but it's really amazing. We as humans are just attuned to this sort of thing that, like, we love to see the odds stacked against us, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, David slays Goliath, you know? It's incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well... Um... Yeah, and then you know Star Trek. My dad, I, he was um, watching Star Trek, and um, and then I just, I just always loved it, and and huh. it is about you know a, a better future, and there's yeah. no war, and there's no poverty, and there's no hunger, and there's no disease, mm-hmm. and and that's the the vision that I want to hold for the future, and yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of um, the Starseed community are hard at work in all different ways and areas and fields, um, you know, trying to uplift. So um, I, I'm really glad that you've done this, not only for yourself, but as, you know, a, a demonstration that you can do this, you know, for, for someone else. And whether it's art or music or writing, um, you know, any 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 of the arts, it, it, it is very, very um, healing. Hmm. to use your creativity and everybody's got creativity you know and if they say oh i'm i'm you know i'm i can't do anything it's like well have you tried everything <laughs> you know everyone has <laughs> everyone has a talent and in and, and you don't um i i was always um a musician and and people would say oh you know i i i don't i sing i really i'm a bad singer and it's like well that doesn't matter it's how it makes you feel and and yeah. how you express yourself so you know the the art doesn't have to be um you know a masterpiece you just do it and then the maybe yep. the next one you would do it maybe it would be a masterpiece so yeah i mean you're setting an example for um mm-hmm. for a lot of people and i think it's very inspiring well thank you i yeah. appreciate that <laughs> well you're so welcome <laughs> and so now now you are um officially a veteran and uh, yes. you are focused on your on your writing and your next two um or was how many are going to be in the series That's a great question. <laughs> I always <laughs> uh, I I had a friend who asked me that uh before I was even done writing the uh the first one and she was like how many how many books are you going to do and I said you know However many there are, I guess. <laughs> well, so yeah, I would like I would like to 
so I, I call it, uh, so the overarching, you know, book one is Gift of the Shaper, but I uh, specifically, I intentionally entitled it book one of the High Glade series. And I didn't say High Glade trilogy because to me, um, there was probably going to be a whole lot of books uh, that I had inside me. Um, and I mean, you know, y you heard me say earlier, I just finished the second one. So uh, I think I'm going to hold myself to that, that promise, that intention of, uh, of writing a whole lot more books. And, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky enough that I found something that I really do love to do. And, uh, you know, I hope to do it for the rest of my life. Well, I'm sure that you will. You just keep mm -hmm. holding the vision um, and your intent and see yourself <laughs> signing books and, and uh, doing lots of interviews. And, and uh, you, know, you, just, you keep holding that, and you can, you can have it come. And I know you said that you had uh, um, your father was, did you say he was Southern Baptist. Was he a minister or just a Southern Baptist? Just a Southern Baptist growing up in the uh, back hills of West Virginia. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and and your mom being Catholic, um, do you do you think that they are um, they're okay with with your um, not <laughs> being devout oh, or religious like them? Uh, you know. It's, it, it's a good question. It is. And I, I don't have an answer to that. But my, one thing I can tell you for sure is my parents love me. They love me. And it is amazing being a part of this, this family. Uh, and it's actually funny, not even more than 15 minutes before I called in here, my uh, mom and dad were texting in a group text uh, about doing a conference call on Sunday just because, you know, we're geographically disparate. So a conference call is the best way for us to catch up and uh, to talk to each other. And, you know, despite, you know, I haven't lived, uh, I haven't lived with, in my parents' house since I was 20, you know, something like that. And, uh so it's been years and years and years, but we still try and see each other on the holidays. We try and talk as much as possible. Um, so, you know, my parents, I'm positive. It, it doesn't matter what I'm going to do. They're, they're definitely accepting and they're uh, extremely loving. And I feel very, very fortunate to be uh, on the receiving end of that. Oh, well, I agree. Yeah, there are a lot, so many people that, they want to follow their their passion and and they get opposition from people that that should be you know supporting them lovingly <laughs> and uh, so i'm i'm really yeah. really happy to hear that you do have that um <laughs> you know i mean having a oh, my mom family, my my yeah. my mom is probably the biggest fan of of my book that i could possibly imagine i uh <laughs> one of my uh, my pinned tweets or my pinned tweet on, on Twitter is a picture of her holding up my book that she found at her local library. And she looks like the proudest mom that you can imagine. And it was my, <laughs> it's one of my favorite pictures. I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's sweet. That's just really uh, heartwarming. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, I mean, you're fortunate. I, I was fortunate too with a very loving family and, supportive parents and uh and I thought that that was normal until mm -hmm. I you know when I got older yeah. and especially especially now that I'm 
you know, doing um, I'm doing sessions with people, I found out mm. <laughs> that that is not the norm. <laughs> that is definitely yeah. not the norm. The norm is, you know, dysfunctional um, and and you know, traumatic kind of family life. And yeah, uh, that, so that's a sad yeah, truth. It is, but in a way, you know, it is the 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 forge that um not to, that sounds like a hmm. pun because <laughs> the picture of your book but oh, you know it's it's no it's perfect <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean it's it's the forge where great spirit and character is born you know oh. you, if you you know if you've never known adversity um you could crumble at a so, slight you know to breeze so very true yeah you know yeah, and and, and that, you know it's Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say it, it can, if you can pull yourself out, it can really, yeah. you know, you can really fly. So, go ahead. So one of my uh, heroes when I was a kid, I grew up reading this, uh, the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes, written by the great Bill Watterson, and uh, it was actually very funny because. When I was maybe 14 or so, we moved to a tiny village in Ohio called Chagrin Falls, uh, where it turned out the cartoonist Bill Watterson actually lived. It's a town of about, back then it was a town of a couple thousand people. So um, to be in the same vicinity as him was just too too bizarre and mind-blowing for me as, as a young kid who loved his comic strip. But one thing that uh, Calvin's dad would always say is that is anything that would that would happen to Calvin that was negative, his dad would always say it builds character, you know. And that that was <laughs> absolutely like the the quip that would come up over and over and over again as these terrible things were happening happening to Calvin. His dad saying, "Don't worry, Calvin, it builds character." So you're absolutely, I think you are. 100% hitting the nail on the head there um with with you know that being the forge for uh for greatness and and, and facing adversity. That's yeah it is true. And uh you know and <laughs> and then I mean then there are people uh, like you and me who have the the understanding of how blessed we were and you can still go mm. forward um even though you know we might have been spared the adversity that other people um had to go through. Um, you know, if you already got a head start, then you know, then keep on running, and 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 yeah. go with it. You know, because you know you had a, a very good um, place to be from <laughs> with your family. Yeah. I I love that. No, it's really funny you use that particular phrasing because uh, whenever people ask me about Ohio, which is where I was born and where I was uh, I'm from, I always say. Ohio is a great a great place to be from because I don't ever want to go back. You know, it's just it's it's <laughs> yeah. snowy and it's cold and oh man. And I live in South Florida right now and I'm like, you know, my family's freezing and I'm here in the sunshine and I'm like, yeah, you guys can have it. So it's just really funny to yeah. use that particular phrase. <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've used it before because um, I, where is where is Chagrin Falls in relation to uh, Cleveland? It's uh, a little to the let me think here south uh, east southeast of Cleveland. Okay, so I mean, 
I grew up on Lake Erie in that oh, same vicinity. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. And I always said, yeah. So you know, yeah, you know the, the lake effect snow very well. <laughs> very well. And that's how come when I got out of high school, I went straight to Florida. <laughs> like, I'm not Smart so I've woman. Always said, yeah, I've, I've always said that, you know, yeah, it was a great place to be from, but I haven't been back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's so funny. That's absolutely my my mom is from Erie, so and she for some reason chose to stay, and I don't understand it. But I guess the pull of family was uh was heavier than the pull of uh, sunshine and beach. So <laughs> oh my gosh, and that's that I was born in Erie. Oh, that's incredible. That? That's the <laughs> yeah yeah. We didn't live Small there. World, you know, we I were, tell you what. We were closer. We were closer to Ohio. But that's where the hospital is. Okay. Was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Don't, that's it. You don't, you don't hear of many people that are from Erie because most of them stayed, <laughs> I think. They do. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Small world. Small world. Yeah. It really but, yeah, is. I mean, that's really, so funny. It, just, it's a really tight uh, community, where you know, kind mm-hmm. of old-fashioned community. So I, sp- I haven't oh, been I love back, it. so it's I don't great. know if it's still that way. <laughs> it well, still is. Trust me, I was there over over Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, some things just don't change, and that can be good. Yeah. And uh, or not. <laughs> but um, I just I, I'm I'm so glad that you were able to spend some time with us this evening, and um, we. Well, we had one caller, but they didn't have a uh, they didn't answer, so <laughs> you don't have to answer any oh. questions tonight. Other than <laughs> Dodge <the> Boy, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did. So um, I just want to um, put it out there one more time that your website is dl-jennings.com. People can find your book there, um, and I imagine it's on Amazon as well and everywhere. Yes, it is. Yep, and Barnes so, and Noble. If you're one of those people like my aunt who shops there. <laughs> okay. Okay, so um, they can they can get your book, and I think I saw on your website that if you order from the website, you can get a signed copy. That is absolutely true. I'm actually looking at the uh, the box of books I have in my living room right here. I sign them and send them out myself. Okay, well, we encourage our audience to um, have a. a have a good read and enjoy your book. I know that um, I will as soon as Lavendar finishes it. I'm going to take it. <laughs> yes. Let me know if she doesn't give it to you. <laughs> okay. I will do that. I will do that. It, w- so, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. And, again, we thank you for your service and and look forward to wonderful things coming from you with your high glade series well i i will talk to you when the next one comes out thank you so much please please (laughs) do please do and thank you so much for being with us absolutely okay well um everyone that is um it for tonight we're going to wrap it up and once more the website is dl d like david l like lion hyphen Jennings.com and pick up a copy of the book. Until we talk to you again, and you take care and and keep keep doing what you're doing. So everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with another great guest. Until then, 
Make sure you find gratitude and compassion in every day. Good night, everyone. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.